to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick. And as always, we like to talk about things related to crisis management, business continuity, disaster recovery, emergency management, COVID-19, and anything that's relatable to those subjects. Speaking of which, if there is something you'd like us to talk about or you'd like to be a guest on the show to talk about something, please go to the Voice America page for the show. Underneath the graphic, there is a button that says uh, send the host an email. I do get all emails and I do respond to everything. If you want to promote a product or service uh, that your company has with relation to business continuity, please feel free, reach me the same way and I can get you some information on that. I'd like to thank everybody at Stone Road and their product, Boast Assessment, that allows you to track the progress of your continuity management programs, lets you focus your resource, uh, resources and understand where you need to build up uh, parts of your program. You can use that weekly, monthly, or annually. And finally, I'd like to thank everybody at solutionsreview.com who added my book, Testing Disaster Recovery and Business Continuity Plans to their list of the 16 most essential books for business continuity directors. So thank you everyone at solutionsreview.com and congratulations to the other 15 authors. Now, today's show is our regular show. Um, We speak with our same guest and without further ado, I want to welcome back once again, Regina Phelps. Regina, welcome back. Alex, it's been so long, hasn't it? Nice to be back. <laughs> can, can you believe believe this is our eighth or ninth show in a row just on COVID? Well, you know, it's going to go on for another couple of years, Alex. So you and I are going to talk till I don't know, the cows <laughs> come home or whatever the, whatever the saying is for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, I'll, I'll just book a, a monthly meeting with you at the same date and time. <laughs> It's convenient, right? We, we know exactly yeah. where we're going to be at a certain time. Exactly. Well, we're going to be talking about COVID-19, so let's just jump straight into it. Sure. Um, where are we now? What's going on? Oh, you know, Alex, I, I feel like such a curmudgeon because every time you talk to me, I have nothing really good to say. But, you know, um, you know, I, I always talk about how the U.S. is still quite a mess, and, and we are still, so I'm not going to let us off the hook any way or shape or form. But, you know, the rest of the world is not doing so well as either. And, and even my northern neighbors, Canada, has had an uptick in cases around Montreal and Quebec and... And you know it's it's really tough, and I think I think there's a lot of factors going on with this. I think part of it part of it is is that we are um, having uh, extended pandemic fatigue. I think many of us somehow think this is going to go away, or we're just tired of it, and therefore we go back to some old and usual routines, which are not usually very good from a sense of disease transmission. So here in the North America. Canada as well, I might say, and, and in uh, the, and in America, we actually have had 
A significant increase in cases. And here in the U.S., a lot of it is from people having uh, small gatherings in their homes, you know, enclosed in smaller spaces. Uh, But even, you know, 10, 15, 20 people, um, many from, you know, all different kinds of environments. And so they're quite of a mixed group. And and that's where a lot of disease transmission is occurring. So weddings, funerals, birthday parties, other types of celebrations where people come together has really Mm -hmm. spurred a lot of disease spread here in the United States. The other big contributor to disease spread has been uh, a phenomena that was based after the Sturgis Rally, which is a big famous motorcycle rally in the Dakotas, which happened for, I think it was 12 days in early August, which has pretty much lit the Midwest of the United States on fire and sent some cases, I say, also to our northern neighbors in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been a significant issue. And so we're seeing many more cases. The U.S. had 70,000 cases on Friday, uh, which is quite incredible. And we're seeing between 500 and 1,000 deaths every single day. So this is going to go on. Uh, and the sad news, frankly, is, is it's just going to get a lot worse as the weather gets cooler and in some places in the states cold, like in my northern neighbors uh, in the east in Canada. And so people are going to be going inside, and there's going to be many more opportunities for closed gatherings with um, people in, you know, close proximity, uh, a lot of recirculated air, and cases for disease transmission. So I think the winter and the fall is going to be tough um, across the world. What do you think about Canada? Do you have any sense about that from your experience being a Canadian up there? Well, in Canada, I looked it up, actually, because I had a feeling you were going to ask me some of this today. So (laughs) I looked up just before... uh, you know, we we started recording today, and today we just broke our uh, two hundred thousand cases, mm-hmm. and um, we're I think we're at just below nine thousand eight hundred deaths. Mm-hmm. And um, here in Ontario, the province I live in, which you know is huge, but you know the little piece that I live in, um, they're looking at canceling you know trick or treating. Um, mm-hmm. They are they are starting to put some areas, uh, counties, I, I guess you would call them down in the states, but mm-hmm. you know uh, certain regions up here, uh, back, you know, taking some of the uh, openness away and putting mm-hmm. them back into uh, semi lockdown, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, telling people not to go places. You know, and they're starting to, um, you know, uh, masks. I don't think are a big problem here. I, you know, I see everywhere I go, people are wearing masks. So I, I That's great. personally, I don't, I don't see that as an issue up here. I think people all across the country, you know, yeah, there are some people here that, you know, <laughs> say that we shouldn't wear them. But uh, the vast, vast majority of people that I've seen up here, anywhere I've gone, uh, are wearing masks, which which is great. Um, and up here, we do have, you know, significant flu and cold seasons. And mm-hmm. that's literally right around the corner. You know, right, it starts. Right. It starts. You know, within the next couple of weeks, if not already. Right. So right. you know, um, I'm a little nervous as to what might happen. You know, with schools and things like that, which I know we'll we'll probably get to later as well. But you know, right. so I'm a little nervous of where what's going to happen in the winter and the fall. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. As you should be. I think I do. I have. I you know. I take it back. I actually have one good piece of news, Alex, to say that I'm just not always a doomsayer, but. In the Southern Hemisphere, uh, there has been really tremendous news about the flu uh, and and how they've had so little of it. 
So I think maybe the last time we spoke, we brief, briefly spoke about this, but Australia in particular has reported, you know, a 95% reduction in flu cases. And I want, I want to say to you that New Zealand uh, yesterday announced that they had, I think it was 20, that's two zero cases of the flu documented in the entire country. Wow. That's like wow. non-existent. Yeah. So what that says is that the methods, of course, for COVID, masking, physical distancing, uh, not being in crowded spaces, are not only effective for COVID, but, of course, for any other respiratory illness like influenza. So I think the good piece of news is that if we continue this practice of all these measures that we are very familiar with, that we have an excellent chance of avoiding the, the, the twindemic, as it's called, of course, of influenza and COVID. And I think that's critically important. And I would all encourage all of your listeners to make sure that they do get a flu shot if they haven't gotten it yet already, because that's, again, another form of insurance about the flu, since we do have a vaccine for that. And to make sure, again, that, that you are practicing all these really smart, uh, safe hygiene uh, practices that we've really adapted very well to in, in COVID. So I think that's the one good piece of news. So I'm concerned greatly about the fall and winter, but I'm uh, now beginning to be a little less concerned, especially I think you, mm-hmm. with your mask compliance in Canada, you'll be much better. The U.S. still is very spotty in many areas, and so we still may have a flu problem here in uh, the United States. But I think in, in Canada, you'll probably do much better. I think the thing is, we go forward looking into the fall and winter, what I look at is really the sheer number of cases that we're likely to have here in the States, the increasing number of deaths, and then also the impact on the healthcare system as more and more of those patients go into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I don't know anyone you know, in, in your area, but I know a lot of people that I speak to around here, neighbors and things like that. And what I read, people are this year going to be getting their flu shot, including a couple That's of people great. I know that have never taken the flu shot ever. You That's know, great. And then, and then complain two months later that they get the flu. But, you know, they, <laughs> they, they, even they are saying, no, this year they're, 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 they're getting it. And there's, um, you know, some of the, uh, I don't know how it works down in the U.S., but uh, our drugstores up here, our pharmacies can uh, give the flu shot and they've been open uh, for a while to book appointments and they're mm-hmm. backed up like crazy. Which is, I think, you know, I think however, and what I would say to all your listeners is if they haven't secured a flu vaccine, they should move on it quickly because so many people, just as you described, that don't normally get it are actually taking it this year, which means that there could be shortages in some parts of your country. We've already seen that a little bit in the United States where some uh, areas of the country have really had a run on them, and so they've had to try and rearrange and reship vaccine to other parts. So, But that's good. And, you know, your comment about people uh, getting the flu after having the flu shot, let me just explain why that is. Because there's two things that I hear people say is that one is that the flu shot caused the flu or that they got the flu shot and it's still uh, they still got the flu anyway. And what I want to say is that, first of all, the flu shot cannot give you the flu. It's made from a dead virus, so there's no infectious properties to it at all. So you can't get the flu from getting the shot. And then secondarily, uh, sometimes what people will say is that, you know, I got the flu, you know, a month later or something. Well, the thing is that the, the, the flu vaccine recipe is constructed about nine months before 
uh, you actually get it in your arm because it takes that long to manufacture. And the flu constantly mutates, so it's not uncommon that whatever they selected as the recipe, in this case it would have been in January, by the time it gets in your arm, uh, it's uh, 11, 10 or 11 months, and the flu has changed. They call that a drifting of the, of the actual genetic material. And so it does that often. Usually it drifts maybe a little bit. Sometimes it drifts a lot. Uh, usually it's pretty close. And so that's why you could have actually gotten the flu even if you got the shot. A little piece of flu trivia for you. Well, that's good to know. You know yeah, I will tell yeah. people that who always say that, no, it gives you the flu. And even I knew, I don't know why, but I knew, no, you can't get it from that. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. But, you know, when you talk about vaccines, that leads me to another thing I wanted to talk about, which is tied to this issue of um, what, what to expect in the fall and winter, and that is uh, the potential of a, of a COVID vaccine. So, so there is, uh, just see, I'll give you some numbers here, which are always kind of startling to think about. First of all, there are 91 preclinical vaccines right now, which means there are 91 vaccines currently in uh, in, in uh, um preclinical uh, trials of animals. So these are like rats and hamsters and that kind of stuff. Once it gets through the preclinical trials, there's 31 vaccines are in phase one, which is about 10 or 20 people, and they give that to humans just to make sure it doesn't kill them and it, it um, does produce an immune response. If it passes that test, it goes to a phase two. There are 15 vaccines in phase two. They give it to a larger number of people, probably about 100 up to about 100, and it's actually to do efficacy, safety, but also now they're looking at how much you have to give, so the dose of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And then now in phase three, which is the large trials, as many as maybe 50,000 people, which are also double-blinded, so there's a placebo group and a vaccine group, there's 11 of those right now in place. Uh, you probably also have heard that there's two vaccines here in the United States that are on hold. Uh, one is Johnson & Johnson. Um, and the other is AstraZeneca. And so those are on hold because there were some reactions in participants. Now, that's not a bad thing. So many people here are like, oh, that's scary. Well, frankly, that means that the trials are doing their job. Somebody has a reaction. They have to investigate it very thoroughly to determine that that reaction is not because uh, of the vaccine or they have to understand if it is because of the vaccine, what caused it. So that's really important. So the fact that things get on hold to me is not a scary thing. It's a good thing. So uh, there's one more piece of information, though, that's interesting about the, um, the vaccines that are in the Phase three trial. Pfizer has now said that it could have a vaccine that could be approved, that could be ready for an emergency authorization approval as early as the end of November, which means that it could be uh, started in possibly December or January. Uh, and what that means is that they actually believe that they've gotten enough information or they will have enough information to analyze the data and then make a recommendation uh, as to whether they could get asked for an emergency authorization. The only downside about the Pfizer vaccine, it's an, what's called an mRNA, messenger RNA vaccine. These are new vaccines. They've never, this is a whole new technology, uh, but it requires very unusual storage. It's a minus 80 degree centigrade freezer. And, you know, believe it or not, uh, Alex, there's not a lot of those minus 80 freezers hanging out all over the place. And uh -huh. so from a distribution issue, that means it'll be more challenging to get this out because it must be a minus 80 essentially in the entire time from the moments it leaves manufacturing 
till the moment it gets to the distribution place where it's going to get into your arm. It's defrosted and then stuck in your arm. So it can't lollygag around any place. So you won't see it at a Walgreens or a CVS or any other pharmacy because they don't have minus 80s. So that will make it more challenging in distribution. But other than that, that's, so that's one tiny piece of good news uh, about the vaccines. So there's there's a, a little light at the end of the tunnel, but we're not quite sure if it's a light or if we're seeing something. You know, yeah, that's right. It could be a train, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you know, the other thing, to be honest with you, is that, um, you know, so here in, in America, they are actually doing what's called manufacturing at risk. So they selected four different vaccine companies. They gave them a huge amount of money, uh, in some cases a close to a billion or some cases more than a billion dollars each. And... Uh, told them to, uh, you know, continue what you're doing and start making this stuff. And so if it doesn't work, that means that we would have made all that that vaccine and they have to toss it, uh, which could happen. You never know, right? And Mm -hmm. so, uh, but if the good news is if it does work, that means they will have already started making it. And so there'll be vaccine that will be available probably in, you know, maybe 10 million doses initially, and then that will escalate out. But I just want to remind your listeners that a vaccine is not the silver bullet. Vaccines will only be super helpful if we have large numbers of people that take it. Now, no one knows what exactly the herd immunity requirement is, but it could be as high as 70%. So that means that either 70% of the population of Canada or the United States or any place else in the world would have had to have either been vaccinated or actually have had the illness. That's a lot of people. And the other thing I would say to you, Alex, is that the vaccine requirements are that it only has to have 50% efficacy, which means, frankly, you could get the vaccine and, and maybe it doesn't work for you or me. So, or it doesn't produce much immunity. So that means I didn't get much out of it, right? So it means I'm still uh, very likely to become infected. So it's not like you get your shots, your one or two shots, and you think, well, I'm good to go. Well, you just don't really know. And so there's a lot of unknowing that will go on. So when people talk about the vaccine being the quick solution for us, it's part of the entire solution, but it's not everything. It still requires us to still, for the long future, I'm not talking about like a few months, Alex, I'm talking about a year and a half or so, maybe till the beginning of 2022, we're still going to be having to live with uh, physical distancing, probably masking, until we actually have really sufficient immunity. So it's not it's not going to be done, done, done quickly, and that's the important thing to keep in mind. You you mentioned the um, the efficacy, you know, uh, the amount of people that would have to take it, and all. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there? Um, I thought I saw something on one of the news channels a little while ago that a majority of um, people in America don't want to take a vaccine if it's rushed. Yes, absolutely, and thank you for so, saying that, Alex, because that's the other part of the equation. If if 50% don't take it, which is what the surveys have said, even as I've seen as high as 53%. So if 53% say no, that means already half the population is not protected. And if the efficacy is uh, only 50%, well, okay, then you're down to 25%. And the best estimates uh, for most uh, professionals is, is that somewhere between 10 and 12% of the U.S. has been infected. I don't know about Canada. So that means that, you know, we're not going to be, we still, if we had a a vaccine and 50% don't take it, it's only 50% effective and only 10% are affected right now, you know, do the math. We're we're still a long way from 70%. 
Mm-hmm. So it's that's what I mean about having a, a and why I have begged all of my clients is you have to shift your attitude about this going away in any foreseeable future. And I I find personally by doing that myself that I actually have much better coping skills and strategies if I know that this is my life. This is how this is my life for the long and foreseeable future. And at some point it's going to change and it'll be something else. But until then, this is what I got to do. And that helps instead of thinking like, well, maybe next month I could go on vacation or maybe next month, I, you know, that just makes you crazy. Oh, yeah. I think that's a perfect way to end our first segment, <laughs> that we're going crazy. Um, <laughs> today we are talking once again with Regina Phelps about COVID-19, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time to build a life you love. Let's get intimate with your host, Christiane Bella, the Intimacy Architect. Intimacy Architecture Radio is a judgment-free zone with topics covering health, relationships, sexuality, and more. This is a safe space where nothing is taboo, and you're invited to call in and ask the questions you need to ask to discover the power of your intimacy. Intimacy Architecture can be heard every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. 
Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Once again, we are talking with Regina Phelps. Uh, Regina, in the first segment, you were talking about the um, couple of trials that have been stopped uh, or put on hold. I'm just wondering, is that because people are experiencing side effects or they're identifying side effect side effects? Like, is that where that we kind of identify those things? Yeah, that's a really great question. So let me just talk about that briefly. We do know on the AstraZeneca um, trial that was placed on hold, that was because of a case of a, a severe immune reaction in the U.K. And so it was a uh, neurological, a Gillian-Barre type reaction, which means is this paralysis. And so they don't know, uh, and they're still investigating whether that was actually caused by the vaccine or not. Uh, it, the uh, U.K. government uh, took the hold off the vaccine, and they've continued the, the trials there. Here in the United States, it remains on hold. And so I don't, and that's as much as they're letting out to the public. For the Johnson & Johnson hold, uh, there was just a comment from the, go- from the country, uh, company that they had the, a, 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 um, a, um, a recipient of the vaccine had a reaction, but they offered no further information as the type of reaction that it was. And so uh, we don't know anything more about that. But I think what I would say to all of your listeners is, as I said, I think a bit earlier, is that it really is, it says that the process is working, that the companies are immediately notifying governments around the world if there's any particular problems and that the governments are immediately acting on them. So to me, is, and I'm a vaccine advocate, to me, it does say that the process works and that when we see that somebody's having a reaction or that there's an issue that, and the trial is stopped, uh, that's good because that means that they're paying attention to those things. If there was a vaccine that had no stops or no anything going on, I would kind of wonder what's going on because, frankly, every drug is going to cause some reaction in somebody, right? So mm-hmm. um, the fact that they stopped it and have begun to pursue it uh, more, I think, is really, I think, very positive. Oh, okay, so it's actually, a, a, you know, as you put it, you know, some good, good news. You know, the, the process is working. It's a good news. You know, and it could be like, you know, some of those commercials we see on TV, you know, don't take this if you have right. uh, I don't know, <laughs> right, diabetes right, or something. Right, right. You know, that, this is kind things, of where right? that gets captured. Right, exactly right. It's exactly okay. right. So it's a good thing. I don't think it's bad at all. Yeah, Okay. Now, during during the break, we had a quick chat there um, while we were backing up the first segment, and you mentioned um, uh, mental health and healthcare systems. Mm-hmm. How are um, healthcare workers or the healthcare system in general? You know, how are they holding up? How are they managing? And how how are people in general? What what are you seeing? You know, how are they uh, managing the situation? You know, our own mental well being. You know, that's, I think it's a, it's a really a good question and a really important question, Alex. I think I don't care really, you know, how, how strong a person you are. Anything with the magnitude of this pandemic is going to erode anyone's capacity to cope and their overall mental well-being. And we certainly have seen that in the U.S. There have been several studies that have done that people report who have never felt depression or never felt anxiety, having, you know, mm-hmm. 20 or 30 percent of the time experiencing those symptoms uh, of different levels of severity, all the way up to people who already have those conditions, experiencing them even more greatly. So what I would say to you is that 
we are under tremendous pressure. And those in particular that have both financial concerns or possibly have lost their job, lost their housing, have, you know, may not have enough food to eat, they've, they're, you know, they're, they're educating their kids and working at home, or they're a essential worker and they have to go to work, and they're around people who might be sick, like healthcare workers or bus drivers who, you know, are, are, are approached by a zillion people. There is a lot of stress uh, overall, and so I think we're really seeing that uh, displayed in a lot of different ways. But I think it's important that we all really exercise kindness, not only to others, but frankly to ourselves, and to to give ourselves uh, a break. Uh, things are mm-hmm. tough, and and I think it's really important to acknowledge that. I, I had a call today with a client, and you know, the my my primary client, who's a very senior person, you know, is kind of the you know, oh, we can just sort of test through it, and it's like, well, you know, I know, I know, we can all do that, but is that really the right thing to do? And as I was watching all the other faces on the call, I could see that a lot of other faces were like, yeah, we need to back off here. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. you know, the guy who was on the horse and ready to march out, uh, you know, sometimes you just need to give that up. Uh, and we need to really acknowledge and recognize that we're all in different places. Uh, some of us are having a hard time and others are not. But frankly, that will change. You know, next thing you know, mm-hmm. next week, the guy who was on the horse is going to fall off the horse and he's going to have a hard time. So. I think kindness is really important and generosity is really important and understanding, which sometimes is in short supply. And I think, um, and reaching out to get help, you know, whether that's to a, a minister or a pastor or maybe a therapist or your best friend or talking to people, writing things out in journals, um, praying, meditating, having a little time. The best thing mm-hmm. I think I do uh, every day, Alex, is I only allow myself to read. I, I read a lot of COVID stuff, obviously, because it's my work, but I only read so much, like, election news, which is crazy in the United States. I only read a tiny, tiny bit of that, because if I read it a lot, it would just make me crazy, and I just don't need that. <laughs> so a news yeah. diet is actually really good. And if you're not in the COVID field, you know, I would stop paying attention to a lot of it. You know, pay enough attention to be smart, and you don't do stupid things, but... Don't be obsessed with mm-hmm. it. They have a great term. I don't know if you heard this in Canada called doom scrolling. Have you heard of that? Um, it's ringing a bell. Scrolling. Ring, rings a bell. It's a doom scrolling is where you read kind of one negative story with a bad ending to the next negative story with a bad ending, and you sort of get hooked on this negative, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's COVID-related news or in the United States it might be election-related news or all the stuff of social injustice. I mean, once you sort of start down one awful story after the next awful story, it begins to really impact you. And doom scrolling is really a problem. So if you're a Twitter follower, you could do that easily. Other forms of social media and many therapists say, you know, look, you know, limit yourself. Like if you're a Twitter, you like to read Twitter, maybe say you only can do 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night. And at the end of that 15 minutes, you cut yourself off. There's even apps that will actually cut it off for you. <laughs> you, can, you, yeah. you can't access it till the next day if you can't control yourself. So there are things that you can do to help minimize that and improve your mental health. But getting outdoors, uh, being outside with nature is helpful, talking to a friend, uh, finding ways yep. to stay uh, physically distant but socially connected is really important. So we want to be physically distanced, but we want to be socially and emotionally connected to people that are important to us. You you got me uh, thinking of something uh, when you were talking about the mental well-being and how different people uh, can feel. 
Um, I think it was Dr. Jamie Grumman from the uh, University of Guelph here. Um, I talked to him a few months ago, and he said, you know, with, with this going on the way it is, introverts may be happy working at home right now, but that mm-hmm. could impact them because it could be even too long for an introvert. You know, and an extrovert is uh, already starting to feel, you know, the um, the stress because mm-hmm. a lot of their social interactions are gone because they're now stuck at home rather than, you know, having a, a laugh or a joke at the coffee machine. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it really says something. When an, ext- when an extrovert, we know that they're going to be crazy because they need to be out and about all the time. But when an introvert starts getting affected by this, <laughs> you know it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I think uh, to me really ties to, I think, things to think about. Uh, and one of the things that you might want to think about, we can mention, is about having a social bubble. I know this sounds kind of crazy, but bubbles became common terminology when the NBA, of course, had their bubble when they had the NBA uh, down in Orlando. And this will be important with the holidays. I mean, if you're going to try and socialize and be with people, uh, you need to make sure that you have very clear communication and expectations about how they are living their lives in comparison to how you are living your life and what's appropriate. Because one way that you can connect with others is by saying, okay, great, maybe it's two families that have kids or maybe it's two sets of friends, and you say, okay, this is the deal. We always wear a mask when we're out, and we don't do the following things. Like we don't go to a gym, we don't go to bars. We, You know, you have kind of social contracts with each other. And you, you make that kind of arrangement, uh, and you say, yes, we're physically distanced. Yes, we do all of these things. And you say, okay, great. That's our deal. If we both agree to this, our families both agree to this, we'll be able to then uh, have our kids play together. We'll be able to go to each other's house for dinner without worrying about masks or physically distancing because we have essentially agreed to a convent of behaviors. And that could be very helpful in getting through the winter and not being crazy. But there's a really important part of that, Alex, and that is that if I'm in a bubble with you and your family, that if either one of us violates the bubble, meaning like, oops, you know, I, I went out to lunch or I went out to a bar last night with all my friends, okay, the, the, mm-hmm. then you violated our contract. That means that you have 14 days where you can't be with each other with, unless you're wearing masks and doing all the usual things because now you are potentially exposed. So bubbles are a great way to get through the winter as the days are getting shorter and colder, and you need to have some communication and contact, but you don't want to be in a situation where you're exposing people unnecessarily. So it requires agreements, it requires communication, and then ongoing check-ins and honesty about how you're living your life. But I have several friends of mine in bubbles, and they love them. It's in, it's interesting you you brought that the point of social bubbles up because when uh, Ontario the province I live in went into lockdown back in uh, you know March April one of the things they said is limit your social bubble to you know ten people and went through the exact same explanation you just went mm-hmm. it went through and it worked really well mm-hmm. uh, the problem is uh, some people you know th- kind of took that and went oh ten people but then went you know, uh, to different groups still thinking right. gatherings of 10 people is yeah. not the same as having a social bubble of 10 people. Right. And I think right. after they call that, people got those that, confused. Alex, they call that corn cheating, corn cheating. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what, exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that it works well. But that, that to your point, and just reiterating that, if I have ten people that I can, that I've agreed to to be in a bubble, that doesn't mean ten plus ten, other ten. It's only those ten. So those names only, and we all have to be able to look each other in the eyeballs and say, "I have not cheated on you." <laughs> yeah. I have not cheated on our bubble, right? But you know, I would say to you, especially those my northern neighbors like you. When the winters are getting cold, you might really want this for your mental health and your social well-being is to have a bubble for the winter. Yes. You know, because we, well, we're, we're going to talk about it, I think, in the next segment. But we're getting very close to a couple of key uh, celebration dates. Yep, Which are right. really going to challenge, uh, you know, not just here in the U.S. or, or Canada, but globally. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some big exactly challenges right. here, and, and exactly I think I'm going right. to save that for our third third segment and uh, yeah, end on that note here about the social bubbles, and then we can come back and start fresh on, on that one. Um, we're, we're talking with Regina Phelps once again about COVID-19. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time to build a life you love. Let's get intimate with your host, Christiane Bella, the Intimacy Architect. Intimacy Architecture Radio is a judgment-free zone with topics covering health, relationships, sexuality, and more. This is a safe space where nothing is taboo, and you're invited to call in and ask the questions you need to ask to discover the power of your intimacy. Intimacy Architecture can be heard every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. We are talking once again with Regina Phelps, our monthly chat about COVID-19. Uh, Regina, in the last segment, um, we started to uh, just touch on uh, holidays. And uh, right now we're recording on October 19th for an October 22nd air date. And just around the corner in the next two, uh, two and a half months, there's quite a bit of holidays coming up. And that's going to be a lot of challenges for, you know, everyone, social bubbles. Yes. You know, do you have any suggestions? Because regardless of where you are in the world, in the coming months, there's some sort of a big holiday coming up. Absolutely, and I think it's it, there's a lot of pressure that will be forming, and and there's some there's some really important things for your listeners to think about. First of all, and this this would go back to again, I would say really clearly this idea of taking the bubble concept that we just spoke about, and really taking that into looking into the holidays. So, let me give you an example. You might have a a, a, a family that you know your parts of your family that let's say you have four or six people, but maybe you've got you like you know a couple of cousins or you know an aunt and uncle and maybe some grandparents, and maybe they're going to be driving in as they normally would for whatever your holiday celebration might be. And so they're likely to be coming from different places, and they're all going to convene and have a dinner together in likely an environment where the doors are closed, right, because in most places in the countries it'll be cool, uh, and they'll be together for a protracted period of time, if not just one day, but several, several days. So a couple things, um, and what I would, in, in the context of my conversation with you, I'd like your listeners to be thinking about, you know, this is our COVID year. There's a great uh, scientist, his name is Michael Osterholm, he always talks about this is your COVID year, meaning that things could be really, really different this year. Uh, for all the reasons that we know. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you normally have a big uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, other religious holidays, uh, New Year's celebrations, the thing I would really ask you to think about is take this idea of a bubble and bring it to that. So if you have a normal dinner that you maybe you have 10 people, maybe four in your family and you have six more people come over, well, the question is, okay, what kind of lifestyle do those people have? What kind of exposures might they have? And what are you expecting when you invite people into your home for that kind of a celebration? And then look at the people that might be there. I had a very long conversation with a very close friend of mine today who has her mother-in-law who lives at her house, who's 86. There are five in their family all together, and they were going to have nobody for Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. But then all of a sudden they decided, well, gosh, there was two cousins and then an aunt and uncle and then another person. And they thought, well, you know, they're all reasonable people, and they seem like they've been taking care of themselves. We should just invite them all over. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, if, if you really want to have, if it's really that important, that it's worth kind of, you know, exposing, especially if you have older family members, having them exposed to that kind of risk, 
then I would ask my guests the following. I would expect and ask you that for the next 14 days that you have very limited activity outside of your home. If you have to go to work, uh, that's fine, but you do no other activities other than grocery shopping and etc. You have to be very safe. You have to be wearing a mask at all times. And I would ask that five days before you come to the house for the holiday that you get um, um, uh, COVID tested with a PCR test. Uh, the reason five days is that you turn positive around five to seven days. So around five days is a good number. From the time you get that test to the time that you actually come to that dinner, uh, that you must uh, have extreme carefulness about your behavior because a test is a, is a moment in time. And if you have a test but then you go to a bar two nights after that, you know, that test probably doesn't count one bit. So I think it's a conversation that you need to have with your family. And if you have older family members, I'm not saying don't see them, but I'm saying that you need to see them in different ways. And probably sitting down for a dinner where everybody's next to each other is not the best thing. Maybe you want to be having uh, opportunities where you can visit outside, or maybe you have a fire pit in your backyard and you invite people to come over and have just a, you know, a, a, a glass of hot cider or a glass of wine or something, and you have a visit, but you don't have a big protracted dinner. And just count it up to the fact that this is our COVID year and this is how we're living right now. Not to stop seeing people, but to smartly see people. And especially older people that you're around, you should really, and, and if you can't uh, be absolutely, uh, you know, careful and, and avoid any possibilities of exposure to others, I would not be around that person uh, without a mask on, and I'd want at least six feet of distance between us, and I'd want to be outside. I want to protect them. That's why you don't want to kill them. I mean, <laughs> that would be the, uh, there, I just, I, yeah. I heard a, a, an NP, um a webinar uh, yesterday on JAMA, which is the Journal of American Medical Association, and it was a physician who was talking about uh, a woman he had just intubated in, a, in an ICU, and she had gone to her, I guess it was six-year-old grandson's birthday party, and it was originally going to be outside, and it rained, and uh, they had it inside, and there was like 20 people there, parents and kids, and uh, uh, it turned out somebody had COVID, and she ended up getting really sick, and she's on a ventilator, and he said she's probably going to die. Well, I mean, oh, my God. Alex, <laughs> no one wants yeah. that to happen. So I, I would just beg people to just think about it. It's just one holiday. Do it differently. Do it in a way that's respectful. Do it in a way that you connect with people. But, you know, feel free to do things really differently in order to make everybody safe. With with so many people, you know, we, we've got American Thanksgiving coming up. We've got uh, Halloween coming up, you know, with kids mm-hmm. and people going from door to door. Um, there's holidays in the Muslim calendar. Um, there's holidays in the Jewish calendar, Christmas, New Year's. Yep. With so many holidays, how do I say this? Um, do you do you think people could actually go that long with that many holidays? You know, without interaction, you know, close interaction. Is it, yeah, I is think, it possible to do? I think it's hard but I think we have to readjust what our expectations are. So I am certainly not saying, saying don't see people, but I'm saying that mm-hmm. people should really see them differently and they should see them in a very safe and respectful manner. Um, I think I think personally the risk is really high, and I think there's going to be so much disease circulating. I, I, I can certainly speak about America. I, ca- I can't speak about Canada, uh, that I think people need to really be smart. Um, because if you look and see what the cases are right now in the United States, it's weddings, 
It's funerals, it's birthday parties, it's graduations, it's those kinds of family events where people come together and, Mm -hmm. you know, they spend an evening together, and that's all it takes inside a building. And remember, this is aerosol spread. So it's it's just, again, taking our view of the holidays and looking at them differently uh, and try to find ways to make them fun and different, but they're going to be different. So maybe there's... Maybe for, uh, you know, American Thanksgiving, you all, everybody stays home and you all make a meal and, and everybody, you know, and you, and you do a Zoom dinner. You're still together. It's mm-hmm. virtual, I understand, but it's better than not, not having anything. Uh, for, for trick-or-treating, the big thing here in the United States, people are, many people, are, many communities are saying don't trick-or-treat. But for people that are doing trick-or-treating, there are companies that have developed this idea of a Kind of a, um, a, a plastic tube that you you know basically attach to your your uh, your front door, and people stand at the end of your stoop, and you just sort of shoot the candy through the end of the tube. So <laughs> <laughs> I you can have the delivery system. It's up. a little bit different than usual, right? <laughs> well, I, well, you know. Uh, so I think <clears throat> I think it's it's really you saying to yourself, you know, what do I what do I want to create? What do I want to um, have a, a ritual just for this year? Understanding it's we're not hoping, I pray that we're not in the same situation that we are uh, this year, next year. But mm-hmm. I think understanding that um, we want to be respectful, we want to see people, we want to, and maybe maybe just go by people's homes and you visit with them on the stoop, or maybe you uh, sit in the backyard next to a fire pit, or you still connect with them, but maybe you're not doing the big sit-down dinner or the big New Year's Eve party that we mm-hmm. are very accustomed to, and just readjusting our mindset. What about your family? What do you normally do, Alex? Well, my all my family literally live uh, at least a thousand kilometers away. So oh, wow. if I want to see them, I have to travel. <laughs> mm-hmm. They all live on the other side of Lake Superior. You know, oh gosh! So and so, are you planning this, a holiday with them? Well, um, right now I'm wondering, you know, because my mm-hmm. my mother has health issues. You know, mm-hmm. I have you know light bronchitis type thing as well. So I don't want to put anybody in any sort of uh, position. And my mother also yep. has a cat, and I'm allergic to cats. So mm-hmm. even if I did make the decision to go see her, I'm going to have breathing problems because that's exactly how it comes out to me. Yep, yep. Yeah. So uh, right now, I, I really don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to put anybody, including myself, in any kind of danger. And then there's, mm-hmm. you know, I drive up because I like to drive. And that includes, you know, stopping at gas stations and restaurants and, you know, all the different places that I normally stop on the Mm -hmm. way up. You know, it's, you know, do I want to take the chance of one of these, you know, 15 places that I always stop at? You know, I encounter someone who has COVID. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure yet what I'm going to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to go, but at the same time, you know, I've got to look at the risk. And, And as you put it, this, this is my COVID year. Right, and I think I think holding it in that way, but and, and the other thing I would also say is communicating it. So these are the conversations I would ask all your listeners to start having right now, today, with your family, so that it's not like uh, all of a sudden, you know, the two days before normally you would show up, you say, well, I'm not going to come. I think just speaking honestly about it is really important, and getting it out on the table is really critical because uh, people need to make plans, and and they can also begin to work through any disappointments that they might have. And I just I just thinking about this is our COVID year, and just let it go, and not and not turn it into something bigger than it is. And I'm not saying don't see people, but just be smart if you do, if you left to. Which really ties to another thing I wanted to mention, Alex, is that. 
Uh, many of my clients have been working themselves to death, uh, you know, over the coronavirus for months now. And many of them have been recently saying to me, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm taking off Christmas. I'm taking off, you know, the last two weeks of the year. And I started asking them uh, not too long ago. Every time I, I hear this from everybody, I say, well, have you, have you guys started to talk amongst each other about who's taking off the holidays? Like who's going to be covering for the crisis manager process? Who's going to be covering for business continuity? And they all kind of looked at each other like, well, I thought you were. Well, I thought you were. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, you know, the classic I think, assumptions. You know, I think we all need to start communicating, not, not, not just in our families, but in our businesses. Because I'll tell you, I, once I started asking those questions, I, I've started to ask them to everybody now. Everybody's planning on taking off the holidays, but you know we all can't take off the holidays. Somebody's got to be at least right. on call or following up on stuff. And so, I would really ask all your clients now, all your customers, to be thinking about who's who's on who's going to be taking care of stuff, uh, who's on call, and if you know who's on call, and maybe you work out some kind of call schedule or something, at least that way you don't have to be checking in. You can actually unplug and have a good rest versus. Oh, I'll just check my email, but then you're just going to be exhausted because you're still thinking about everything. So, mm-hmm. I, I would say to your, to your listeners, they should be having the same kind of conversation with their work colleagues about how they're going to spend the holidays, so that everybody gets some time off, everybody gets a good rest, and we're not still having to feel like we have to check in all the time. Uh, and they should be having those conversations now, uh, so that we don't end up with somebody, you know. Like nobody in charge or nobody there. Yeah. Uh, that, that that would be problematic. Yeah, it's interesting. Everyone's assuming they're going to get time off. Well, no, it it's just like any time. You know, whether right. you have COVID or not, you still have right. to cover all the all the bases. You know, yeah, and, and have, I would and I would say this this gets back to maybe the last thing we have just a moment to talk about, and that is the issue of burnout. And I know we've talked about this before, but I think as the days get shorter, the nights get longer, it's darker. We're working really hard. This ties back to mental health. I think we need to really be kind to ourselves and really find ways to really deeply uh, disconnect and turn off so that we can avoid uh, this feeling of burnout, which I increasingly am seeing in my clients who's just, you can just tell they're barely hanging on by by their fingernails. And there's that kind of vacant look in your eyes, right, when you're just tired and you're not getting enough rest and you're constantly connected with emails mm-hmm. and all the issues that are going on because it's been going on for so long. So tied to the holidays and tied to good communication and reaching out to your colleagues and family, I think we need to be very cognizant about what we need for ourselves so we don't end up being run down, burned out, and at the beginning of the year it's like, oh, my gosh, here we go again, and I'm still exhausted. Yeah. We have one minute left do you have any final thoughts, uh, Regina? Yeah, I think what I would just say to all of your listeners is this, is that I would really beg you, I would plead with you that you really work on your attitude about or think about your attitude related to COVID, really understanding this is our COVID year. This is how it is right now. We all want it to be different. But thinking about what can I do to have peace today? What can I do to be kind to somebody else? And what can I do to stay whole uh, and really lower expectations about your um, yourself, and really uh, be kind, get rest. Um, we have a long way to go, and we all want us to be standing on our two feet when we get there. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. <clears throat> on that note, we have come to the end of another show, Regina. It is always a, a pleasure to chat with you, always 
so much to, to talk about, you know, and I know we could probably just keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. So thanks again for sharing your expertise and your time with us. And uh, I know we're going to be talking again next month. And with any luck, with any luck, maybe we'll uh, be able to uh, have some visuals with our our talk. Fingers crossed. I got to figure out how that's going to work. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd love that. Yeah. uh, That means I'll have to shave and, you know, get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got to clean up, right? (laughs) Exactly. So thanks again. It. Until next You're next uh, month, our, our next chat. In the meantime, everybody, uh, if there is a topic you want us to talk about, please feel free. Send me an email. Same thing if you want to uh, promote or advertise a product or service. Uh, reach out to me and I can get you some information. Thanks, everyone at Stone Road for sponsoring today's show and their product boast assessment. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.